fighting, hatred, fear. Had enough of the noise? Health Radio, and thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Henry Ely, and each show, as you know, we begin with gratitude. Well, today, folks, I'm grateful to be wrong. (laughs) No, not about anything that we've been sharing with respect to COVID. I'm grateful to be wrong about a misperception I had. I used to think there were no good people in governance, but now, thanks to two incredible people and a lot more, I've met some incredible people, some incredible elected officials over the last two years, people who really care. I know, but now because of these two people that I'm going to introduce you today, Senator Kim Thatcher and Senator Dennis Linthicum of of Oregon, I know better. I know that there are good people in governments. I know there are people who get elected that really do care. And I know they're outnumbered as well. Let's not kid ourselves. They are outnumbered. But this is why it's important for us to identify the people that care, support them in their reelection campaigns, and make sure that we're encouraging more good people to join their ranks. People like Superintendent Mark Thielman, people like Renette Sinem in California, uh, Scott Jensen in Minnesota, Joey Gilbert in Nevada, you know, these good people who are running for office because they really care about all people. You know, we need to make sure we're supporting them. We got to get those ranks of good people and governments up. Now, we talked about this last week, but I think it bears mentioning in case somebody might have missed last week's show. Great show, by the way, with Joy Fritz. On March 7th, Senator Kim Thatcher, Senator Dennis Linthicum, and myself filed a grand jury petition in federal court alleging rampant data fraud by the CDC that enabled the Health and Human Services Department to erect a structure for committing Medicare, Medicaid insurance fraud. And in doing so, people within both of these agencies committed rampant acts of willful misconduct because they were responsible for misappropriating over $3.5 trillion in US taxpayer funds. Folks, you can't make this up. We spend on average 11.2 billion in response to the flu. That's a fair amount for 99.9% recovery rates and things like that. Well, COVID has similar recovery rates as the flu when we look at previous years of the flu. This is basically from a statistical standpoint, a bad flu. All right. Doesn't mean from a symptom standpoint, but from a statistical standpoint, it's basically a bad flu. So if it's on par with the flu in terms of the number of people and the percentage of people who recover, why are we spending $11.2 billion for the flu while we're spending $1.75 trillion for our response to COVID? That doesn't make sense. That's misappropriation of U.S. taxpayer dollars. And it was done so because a fraudulent system was erected, an insurance fraud scam was erected between the CDC and the HHS. Now that's our allegations, right? We're accusing people of this. Well, it's not an accident that on March 15th, the CDC, after being appraised of our um, grand jury petition filed in federal court, 
magically says that there was a coding logic error and they needed to reduce 72,277 COVID death records. So they can go back to the court and say, oh, hey, judge, yeah, we're aware of that error. It's not fraud or something like that. We just made a mistake. It was just the computer actually that made a mistake, right? Please give me a break, right? Listen to the interview last week with Joyce Fritz. You will love it. And it'll explain a lot more about that. But I got to tell you folks, we're seeing them feel us finally. They're doing things in response to what we're doing. And it's because of the brave work of people like Senator Dennis Nuntecum and Senator Kim Thatcher. So we're going to go to short break, come back and bring them on folks. I've said this last week and I'm going to say it again. There's lies, there's damn lies, and then there's statistics. That's what Mark Twain would say. It's his quote, right? Well, I'm going to appropriate that a little bit and say there's liars, damn liars, and then there's the CDC because that's what we found here. We got a great story coming up where Senator Thatcher and Senator Lenticum are going to tell us about what happened at the start of the pandemic with Governor Kate Brown. It's a story you're going to want to stay tuned for. We'll be right back with more Energetic Health Radio right after these messages. Energetic Health Radio is sponsored by the Energetic Health Institute, an amazing school for amazing people just like you. If you're interested in taking control of your health and finding the exit door to all this tyranny, this health medical tyranny, go to energetichealthinstitute.org and bring the joy of energetic health into your life. We'll be right back with more Energetic Health Radio right after these messages. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on the precautions, but deep down, you still want to avoid getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray. Made in the USA, Cofix RX reduces viral loads and minimizes the risk of you getting sick. Find a retailer near you or click our banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. All right. Welcome back, everyone. You know, today, like I mentioned, we are joined by two very special guests, Oregon State Senators Kim Thatcher and Dennis Lenticum, you know, both of who have been incredible in their support of the grand jury concept that we've collectively filed together, incredibly supportive of uh, the pursuit of justice and the seeking of truth. I mean, just I got to tell you, folks, um, you know, before I met Senator Linthicum and Senator Thatcher, I was of the opinion, which I know a lot of people are, that there are no good people in governance, that there are no people who genuinely care about the people they represent, that it's all corrupt. And I got to tell you, after meeting uh, Dennis and, and Kim, I'm, I'm just so thrilled to be wrong about that, greatly wrong about that. And I think it's an attitude that we have to get rid of in um, in our thought process and seek out people like Senator Thatcher and Senator Nenthicum. We have to seek them out because they're out there and they need information put in front of them to support what they really want to do, which is support us. But we have to take the opinion that there are good people in governments and it's got to be our job to find them. So uh, Senator Thatcher, Senator Nenthicum, welcome. How are you both doing today? I'm doing great. We're doing great. See, this is, this is fantastic. It's always fun for me to introduce you to the audience and to people because of that, that reality. And I've talked to a lot of people in our country who are just feeling like, 
you know, it's it's a lost cause, you know, and I know some people in the movement that think it's a lost cause. Senator Thatcher, do you think it's a lost cause fighting for justice, fighting for freedom? Absolutely not. If if you're faced with uh, doing something because you think it's a loser cause or, you know, even if it means kind of stepping out there a little bit, don't you want to do what you can while you can? This this opportunity presented itself and I was so thrilled to be able to sign on to this grand jury petition. You have to do what you can. Right. You have you you can't take this like defeatist mentality, right? If we take this defeatist mentality, what's the what's the point? What are you fighting for at all? Right. It's it's so it's so strange. Um Senator Linthicum, same question for you. You know, um, do you think this is a lost cause, what we're doing? Do you expect the grand jury petition to work? Yeah, absolutely. I I fully expect it to work. Look at this is a, another tool that the founders gave us for securing uh, justice, for out rooting out corruption, for um, avoiding being misled by those who have inordinate amounts of power. And, you know, when you see now, when you see that not only have lots of people become very wealthy at this game, but Mm -hmm. mom and pop on Main Street have been devastated, Mm -hmm. you have to start saying, well, gee, what's going on? And the entire future of our healthcare system has been jeopardized by these individuals who are in positions of power and they have stifled the free flow of information. I think that's why everybody should go to uh, our COVID website and download the grand jury petition. It's not that hard to read. It's very straightforward. The facts are there. You'll get a good sense of where we're at and why this is important. And you'll realize, hey, we've got them by the shorts and we can pants them in the next hour. <laughs> I love that visual, number one, because I would love to pants Fauci and friends like you you wouldn't believe. But yeah, you can go to, we've we've updated, um, Senators, we've updated the website. You can still get there from covidcon21.com. It'll still forward over, but we've changed the name to the website. It is now beyondthecon.com. <laughs> and what we're talking about with that is we have to move past just continuing to rehash what has happened. We, we know what's happened and we filed it you know, a federal petition for a grand jury to be impaneled. Um, Now we have to get into the solutions. How do we fix the problem? We'll talk about that after the break a little bit more. But what I I wanted to do first and foremost was because I share your I share your sentiments. This there's no way I would be putting in the amount of work that I'm putting in the amount of work that both of you are putting. We wouldn't be doing this if we thought it was going to fail. Right. It's like I'm not doing all this work so a judge can just throw it out on a technicality or something. We're we're doing all this work because we have a bigger vision here. And that is if they if there's something that comes up, I want everybody to know listening, we have backup plans. We have more petitions. We have more things at our disposal. And I won't give those out. I don't want to let our potential enemies know what we're going to do. But I want you to know that we're in this all the way, you know, and that's what I love about you, Kim. And and what I love about you, Dennis, is that you're committed, right? And that's something that I didn't know that that existed out there. So it's just a wonderful revelation for me. And I agree with you. It's like, if you think that this is a lost cause, then you should lay down right now, you know, just go to the side and lay down somewhere because you got people who are trying to get things done. 
you know, um, moving forward, we're going to move forward, right? So I, I really love that about what we're doing in our, our group that we work with. So quick question for you, Senator Thatcher, you know, why did you decide to risk your political reputation and file the grand jury petition? I want you to be able to tell everybody why you did this, because I think it's a beautiful reason. Well, first of all, I, I think you just have to do the right thing. And people are going to throw mud at you no matter what. They're going to find things to criticize you about. And it doesn't matter. That just needs to be left behind. You need to be able to look at what's in front of you. And if you have a chance to maybe change the world and help help it heal and turn things a different direction, better direction, then you absolutely have to take advantage of that. And I'm so grateful that this opportunity to sign on to the grand jury petition came up because I was really flummoxed as to what one could do in Oregon, especially since our uh, political leadership, if you will, is all in one corner, all in the same corner. You don't have the three separate branches of government with checks and balances. You have all three branches kind of all in the same corner, all doing the same thing, all believing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So where to go from there? Um, this seemed like an absolute godsend because I was trying to figure out what, you know, how do you change things? How do you go forward? And so I appreciate you walking into my life. Thank you. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a hundred percent mutual. Senator Linthicum, same question, you know, it's a, it's a huge risk in this day and age of cancel culture. And if you say one wrong thing, they're going to eviscerate you. Right. Um, you know, but Will Smith can walk up and slap Chris Rock in the face and, and just get a little tap on the wrist. Anyway, I, I kind of like that. He went and slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> 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 um, but um, so, so why did you decide to take this risk in this climate to your political reputation and, and file the grand jury petition? Well, yeah, this is this is this is the whole essential game. Look at you and I and Kim, um, most of our peers, we're all familiar with government spin. We're familiar with how information gets disseminated and mm -hmm. there how there's an established media direction. But if you believe in the Republican form of government that our founders um, believed in, what you'd believe in is independence. You'd believe in individual liberty. You'd believe in smaller mm -hmm. government, not larger government. And it's the concentration of power and seeing just one incident after another. If people will read our document and our grand jury timeline, they'll see dates and times and organizations that all colluded to create this mm -hmm. um, fake news. And this propaganda wasn't limited to just those who are in government. This, this hit the higher ed community. It hit the hospital community. Mm -hmm. It hits everybody at the city council. It hits everybody at the commissioner's office in your local county or supervisor's office across the U.S., and, and they have successfully kind of, uh, even the world, look at what we see going on in other areas. Whenever you see this much concentrated power, you have to realize, whoops, something is wrong. And we have become a subject to those who have the power and we are being manipulated to believe only the things they want us to believe. So, you know, Kim and I were more than happy to join on and say, hey, wait, time out. This deserves some conversation. Exactly. And I love the way you put it too right there, Senator. 
this deserves some con- some conversation for us to talk about it, not to be canceled out. I'm going to read a little excerpt from the grand jury petition because this was, you know, we we had put this together, and you know, and I was I was looking at it, and I was just like, ah, uh, you know, it 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 feels really good. We know it's accurate. You know, I, I'm going to stand by everything we have in there. But what it 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 was missing, I felt, was a little bit of heart, and it wasn't really encapsulating all of the heart energy that we had um, put together to to even bring this to this point. So I'm going to read a I'm going to read a little um, part of this. This is if uh, you can go to the petition. It starts on page two of the grand jury petition. It's early on. It's called the preliminary statement to the court. I took the liberty. I'm not an attorney. We're none of us are attorneys, so I don't know what proper decorum is and procedure is, but I know I can speak from the heart and hopefully touch somebody's heart as well at the same time. We we wrote the plaintiffs, thank you. And the plaintiffs, of course, are myself, Senator Thatcher and Senator Lenticum. The plaintiffs, thank you, your honor, for the consideration of this unique petition. What we've done actually people has never been done before. We couldn't find any instances in United States case law and that's why we really feel like it's going to work because <laughs> there's nothing to say, well, you shouldn't be able to do this. The plaintiffs have the utmost respect for the sacred integrity of the court. In humility and candor, the plaintiffs share an unbridled love for the United States of America and for justice. We say this to you, Your Honor, not in an attempt to gain undue favor, but to express with humility that the enormity of the evidence and allegations contained herein are not lost upon us. Our nation's great history is defined by moments of courage and valor in the face of overwhelming odds. We, the plaintiffs, believe that another moment has arrived where the necessity of courage and valor are once again essential for maintaining the sanctity of our precious union. Your Honor, we thank you in advance for your consideration and giving us the latitude to present before you without expert knowledge of rules and procedures as possessed by most licensed attorneys. Your Honor, we ask of you to hear the sincerity of our pleas and deliver this petition, along with the evidence presented here. And we we put together more than a thousand pages of evidence. And and that's not all that we have, by the way. (laughs) But we ask that you present it to a special grand jury or to an impaneled grand jury for thorough consideration and service to liberty and justice for all. Now, we're talking a little bit about why we're all doing this. and, And for me, it's you know, it's that last part right there, senators, where you say liberty and justice for all. You remember when we used to do the Pledge of Allegiance and it was just, it gets ingrained into us that this is what our society is supposed to be. It hasn't always been that way and it's not always that way. Nobody's trying to Pollyanna this up, but we are saying is it can be. And what it takes are people who believe that it can be that way and for us to do the work to create that reality, you know, and that's all we're calling upon the judge to do. We're not actually asking the judge to exercise any administrative discretion. We're asking him just to say, get this information to a grand jury because on two previous occasions, we were thwarted. We we contacted every single US attorney and not one of them got back to, we contacted Scott Asfog, the honorable Scott Asfog, and he got back to us, but he didn't impanel a jury. He used what's called prosecutorial discretion in deciding alone that what we had put together did not have the merit to substantiate further investigation by a grand jury. 
of course, we obviously disagree with him about that opinion. That's why we filed this. So um, let me let's let's take it off a little bit of the formality here and just get into a casual conversation. So, Senator Thatcher, Senator Linthicum, can I call you Kim and Dennis for the rest of this broadcast and just kind of make this you personal? Bet. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm super curious about what's going on with your constituents. You know, and and we might come up against a break and have to um, field uh, this question in, in two parts. But you know, what I'm really looking forward to to hearing is you know, and and not in a positive way, but just to get a finger on the pulse, right? What's the read of what's going on out there? You know, in what ways have the people you represent, or maybe even you and your own family members, been harmed by the unlawful acts, the violations of federal law that led to the misrepresentation and, and the fraudulent nature of the data. What, what, what have you seen and heard and, and experienced out there? Kim, why don't we start with you? Okay. Well, you know, at first it started out with all the shutdowns. And mm-hmm. so a lot of businesses were forced to lay off employees and employees would lose their jobs. And then there was supposed to be emergency unemployment insurance for them, which our state did a Um, really poor job. I will refrain from swearing. Um, A really poor job of trying to get this out to people. So we were full-time as an office during the summer of 2020 and the spring of 2020 when it was just all hitting on uh, helping people. So first it was just all these layoffs and these business shutdowns and then people not being able to uh, find any other work, not being able to pay their rent. It was just, that's how it started. And then loved ones dying they're sick in the hospital. And then the, the vaccination mandates came along and we were hearing about people losing their jobs. Simply they were considered heroes. That's what was so crazy about this. You had the mm-hmm. hero first responders, the nurses, the doctors, the medical people suddenly turned into pariahs if they did not agree to getting vaccine or, you know, the so-called jabs. And that was just could, could, could nobody see the, the mm-hmm. irony of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from zeros to heroes, I've heard it referred to, or from heroes to zeros. And then suddenly um, people, well, like family members of mine, I had, I just learned today that one of my relatives that's in the military, one of the branches of the military was, got the booster, he was forced to, and he had the heart inflammation afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I've had a a family member recently get diagnosed with uh, pancreatitis. And I've had a family member uh, recently admitted to the hospital. It was not jabbed, but they were pressuring the heck out of him to get that jab. And meanwhile, he's still on remdesivir and the ventilator. He lived through that miraculously, was not able to walk. But even as he was not able to walk due to their treatment of him, because they wouldn't allow him to seek any other alternatives, because, mm-hmm. you know, rules are rules, mm-hmm. they um, they still pressured him all the way out the door of the hospital. He, he did not get it. But there's just so many people um, dying alone in the hospital or, or in a right. nursing home. Um, or being diagnosed as having died from COVID when really they had fallen from a ladder for crying out loud right. or people just being, um, you know, what's listed on the death certificates, just being an out and out lie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 the list could go on and the stories repeat all the time. It's the same kind of stories, uh, different categories of stories as time, as the um, progression of this response to the pandemic has rolled on. Right. You know, and, and, and I'm, I'm even thinking a lot of the, um, the, the children who took their own lives, you know, out of despair and, and separation on, you know, and this other collateral damage, the, 
the 30, was it over 30% increase in um, drug overdoses with most of them being due to fentanyl, you know, and, and all of these, I mean, people were trying to cope. People were trying to deal in a situation where there was no hope that was offered. And what was blowing me away was that we had this wonderful opportunity to share how many people had been recovering and tell that story. We had this wonderful opportunity to, to really assail the the heroes that ran into a burning building, you know, proverbially, and didn't like our frontline healthcare workers, they didn't know what, how serious it was going to be, but they ran in there anyway. But ultimately, the thank you and all the gratitude they get for running in there is you no longer have a choice. Once, once this experimental product's available, if you don't get it, you lose your job. Thank you for what you did last year, but, you know, it's what have you done for me lately, I guess. I, I don't know. So, um, Dennis, same thing for you with with finger on the pulse with your constituents, what you've heard, family, everything. You know, you know what 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 have you experienced with that with respect to that? Yeah, very very much the same as Kim. You know, I get letters where uh, people have <clears throat> lost a loved one, and they they complain about how they were treated at the hospital, or mm-hmm. the fact that uh, you know one individual wrote me extensively about not being able to visit her husband. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's fully convinced that he he died because of their protocol. Mm-hmm. And the tragedy of that kind of, you know, um, perception among the public who are visiting the hospital or attending to a loved one or trying to see a loved one before they pass away and to have people so skeptical after you treat them with such disdain is really, a, you know, a mark against everything that we stand for. Um, in terms of, we think of the United States of America as, you know, this place where freedom is really freedom, and yet we see truth tellers are, you know, outlawed on, you know, Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter and YouTube. And there's a little comment coming from the CDC that says, oh, by the way, we fact check this and this may not be true. Go here for the better information. And at some time, you know, you have to realize, again, this is part of the collaboration. There Mm -hmm. are no longer two sides. There's only one side. And it's tragedy. Uh, Dr. Eli, I'm glad you mentioned the kids who have been damaged um, not only in their developmental process, can you imagine we had a, um, in my own family, we had a, um, a newborn and we, the parents, quote unquote, wouldn't allow Diane and I to visit the newborn. It's down in San Diego. Sorry, mm-hmm. you can't stop by and see the newborn. You're not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And so now, and, and at some point it becomes, well, wait a second, you know, um, and then grandma and grandpa who are vaccinated, you know, on the other side of the family had um, caught COVID Mm-hmm. even though they were vaccinated and yet they could go visit the new right. uh, grandchild. And, and so you now when you see how irrational and illogical it is and how the rules don't make sense, now you have to a- ask the next question, which is what we're trying to do with this, this policy. We're trying to say, wait, this does not make sense. What's going on here? And our request for the grand jury isn't indicting anybody. 
we are alleging massive fraud. We're alleging this willful misconduct. We're alleging potentially criminal conspiracy. But these people will have their day in court. They will be free to walk if they are innocent. And mm -hmm. otherwise, we should, as the American public, we should be willing to hold them accountable. Right. Agreed. I'm glad you, you made that distinction. A lot of people think that if it gets before a grand jury, it's a foregone conclusion that people will be indicted and go to jail. It's like, no, the grand jury has the power to investigate into areas and nooks and crannies that we don't have you know, the ability to investigate into. They have the ability as the grand jury to subpoena records, subpoena testimony that is unparalleled in, in the judicial system, in my opinion. And they have the ability to indict people who they feel are guilty. And, and, but those people that are indicted still get their day in court. We, they get to go now into a formal trial scenario and defend themselves. And if they're able to successfully defend themselves against the allegations, then they, they go free. They're innocent. Uh, you know, according to our, our laws. Um, so I think that's an important distinction. That's why we have to be really clear about these are allegations that we're making. We feel like we've substantiated them very well, <laughs> but they are still allegations. And, you know, when, when, I, when I start thinking of harm, I, I, I constantly come back to the kids um, because the kids are the ones that are, are going to have to bear the brunt of this for a long time, you know, um, in, on a number of levels. And I, I also go to the families and I immediately think of, you know, we've, we've all had loved ones that have died and I couldn't imagine being prevented from seeing someone I love very much when they're in those moments, those really sacred moments, right? Those are special times when you get the final lesson, you get the final message from someone who loves you very much and you get to have at least closure on that. I, my, um, one of my cousins who her mother was in, I'm going to say this was in my opinion, murdered in the hospital. Um, you know, they they didn't provide any informed consent. They didn't honor the family's with wishes. I was working as a family advocate, interfacing with the medical teams. And you know what was appalling to me was that they were doing things without informing the family. They just went ahead and did them, you know. And then when I when they knew a doctor was watching, they started being a little bit more collaborative. But when I made a simple request for them to use budesonide, I'm a naturopathic doctor asking an, an MD to use budesonide to save someone's life. You know what we were told? We were told, no, we're not going to use budesonide. And when, we, when I asked why, they said, because we have no clinical evidence that it works. So I sent clinical evidence over that it works. And they still refused it. And sadly, my, uh, my cousin's mother died the very next day. You know, and, you know, in talking with her last week, she still broke up. She's been in therapy over this for weeks because she feels that she didn't get to say goodbye to her mother and how devastating something is seemingly innocuous is. But I mean, that's a big deal that we got to we, we have a right to say goodbye to the people we love. You know, that's that, you know, hospitals shouldn't be a prison, you know, for for people. It should be a place where people go to get better, not to not to be put into an orange jumpsuit. So when we come back, we're going to talk about some solutions. I always want to bring it into a positive state here. Um, so we'll be back um, right after these messages with Senators Dennis Linthicum and Kim Thatcher. Uh, folks, stay tuned. We, 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 we're going to cover some really cool stuff, especially about the grand jury, because I know there's questions about that. We're going to cover that right after these messages. All right, folks, you've heard this before. I'm going to keep saying it. Emergencies don't last for years. 
From the outset, the CDC repeatedly violated federal laws to hyperinflate COVID data and defraud you and me, the American people. They lied while the people we love died. They failed while we suffered and they profit to this day while we fight for what's right. If you're tired of this new normal, this ridiculous new normal of willful misconduct and fraud and lies and corruption, then fight for freedom using love, logic, and light by signing the grand jury petition that can set us all free. Yes, we believe in it that strongly. That's why we're doing it. Go to beyondthecon.com, formerly COVIDCon21. We've updated the URL. It's go to beyondthecon.com and educate yourself on the alleged crimes. You can download and read the entire grand jury petition. We have a wonderful FAQ page that's free on the grand jury so that you can get answers to help you understand how the grand jury system is different than your traditional understanding of the trial jury system and how it was put, like Senator Linthicum said, in place so that we could use it if the government became too corrupt and no longer was abiding by the laws and the will of the people. We're asking you to join the more than 125,000 Americans that have already signed on and demanding transparency, integrity, and accountability this isn't a party issue, it's a freedom issue. That's what this is about. Freedom for us, freedom forever, and especially freedom for our children. Let's do what's right and enjoy the fight. We'll be right back with more Energetic Health Radio and the wonderful senators right after these messages. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on the precautions, but deep down, you still want to avoid getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray. Made in the USA, Cofix RX reduces viral loads and minimizes the risk of you getting sick. Find a retailer near you or click our banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're here once again with Senators Kim Thatcher and Dennis Linthicum. 
And, you know, we want to talk, you know, I, I like playing, I like doing a little role playing here. So we're going to, in this segment, cover, you know, what happened, you know, so you can get some insights from the elected official standpoint of what was going down. But also I want to get feedback from both the centers on how this should have gone down if we were really all in this together, which is a joke, because clearly we weren't all in this together. So, uh, but before we do that, we have a, a story that I want to uh, share with you. So Senator Thatcher, Kim, um, something interesting happened uh, to a family member of yours post-inoculation. Do you mind sharing with the audience a little bit about that story? Well, there's not a whole lot to learn to tell because it's very new and evolving, but she finally was uh, released from the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were blaming her uh, situation, which was pancreatitis. They were blaming it on alcohol, which is a joke. That was mm-hmm. absolutely the case. Um, but then we also have this list of Pfizer uh, adverse events of special interest, I think they call them. And pancreatitis is one of them. And this is information that we were, that was hidden from us. This is the stuff they didn't want us to know. So that is not, not at all any uh, informed consent. But with, with uh, my um, family member, she was able to be released. She was able to hold food, food down. Hopefully it's not a, a chronic condition now, hopefully not, but it is very new. Um, so there's not a whole lot to tell at this point, but she, she has been released. She's home. So uh, it's just maddening, angering that, so much of these adverse events and things that could possibly go wrong after somebody had received their inoculation, even after some time has passed, that, I mean, who knows if she would have participated in that had she known that there were over a thousand different maladies that could affect her after this um, inoculation. Well, you know, and this is where I think, uh, Kim, that I, I really like what Tom Renz has been saying publicly. He's like, informed consent for the COVID shots has never been achieved in one administration. Why? Because of the fraud surrounding the information going out to people and the withholding of this kind of information, you know, that that is now finally being released, mandated. They had to force Pfizer to release this information and, and Pfizer didn't want to release it for 75 years, right? You know, I wonder why, gee, I wonder why. Well, you know, plus so- all the fear they created, all the fear they created that just mm-hmm. wanted that made people want to get the shot because gosh, you could get this terrible malady called COVID-19 and, and never come back from it. Not realizing mm-hmm. that more than 99%, depending on your age group, were, were going to be fine. Afterwards. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, uh, and, you know, and one thing I would say for your, um, for your family member, and we hope this isn't the case, but in, I've been working with a lot of the, I'm starting to work with the community of, of especially children that have been injured by the inoculations. And one of the things we're hearing pretty readily is their slow decline into a person being able to eat less and less foods, ultimately to the point where they can't eat anything. So it's something to be mindful of and watch out for. And it's why I'm really a big advocate for getting into fasting for everybody who's gotten the experimental gene therapy. Uh, I, I, excuse me, I should, I should say experimental, gen, experimental genetic modification, because there's a study that came out of Lund University in the last couple of weeks proving that within six hours, the mRNA sequences go into a reverse transcriptase and actually upload into the cell's DNA and become a part of you for the rest of your life. And I think I'm wondering why more people aren't screaming about that study. The first study ever done, remember they remember the CDC told us that it can't possibly upload into your DNA, that the mRNA sequences can't possibly reverse transcriptase and, and turn in, in, and become a part of you and your DNA. The first study ever done 
prove that that was a lie, right? So this is gene modification. It's not therapy. It's gene modification, folks. And I'm going to just call it what it is. And just like I'm calling fraud, fraud. So Senator Linthicum, you did a, a little bit of uh, diving because it was actually you that kind of, I think, pieced this together and helping Kim out. You had read through some of the adverse events. What, what really stood out for you with the Pfizer documents, this first release? What really stood out for you in those documents in terms of the sheer volume of adverse events? What did you find? Well, yeah, and Kim mentioned it, you know, over a thousand, there's actually 1,291 in Appendix 1 of the Pfizer release that shows um, vaccine side effects or other adverse events that are noteworthy. And it's like, well, gee, 1,291 of these. So I, I, I went just a text search and found it, you know, and Bingo, there it is in this. So think, think of the um, enormous task that the healthcare industry has on their hands when we've been marketed uh, vaccines are safe and effective for so many years that they spring a new um, uh, emergency use authorization product. By the way, all the products used in the United States have never been approved by the FDA, quote unquote. I'm not sure that approval means anything anyway, but nevertheless, they all exist under emergency use authorization. Mm -hmm. And because they all exist under that emergency use um, authorization clause, there are so many questions that nobody ever asked. Um, what blows me away about the Pfizer documents, Dennis, is 1,291 different adverse events, and you didn't tell anybody who was considering participating in the experimental gene modification. You didn't tell anybody about that. You just told them, number one, it's a vaccine, which is a lie. And number two, it's safe and effective, which is a lie. And then you hide behind the protections from being sued when you hurt someone, the protections of the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, and also because of the EUA, the PREP Act, you hide behind these. So folks, you want to know why we're doing this? You want to know why we're doing this? Because we believe that we can prove willful misconduct. And if a grand jury agrees with us and indicts anyone for willful misconduct, and then they get their trial, and that is upheld in a trial that willful misconduct occurred, it breaches the protections of the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act and the PREP Act. It gives people who've been wronged, people who've been harmed, people who've been hurt, people who've been killed, the families at least, of people who've been killed by the shots, an opportunity for what's called private right of action, meaning they can sue to get some, some help, some financial help that hasn't been coming. It's appalling to me that not one penny has been paid to any person in the United States that has been injured by these shots. That's that's ridiculous when you when you start thinking about it. So um, before this we get gets in, com yeah, let go me ahead. add just th this gets compounded when you look at the financial incentives that have been going on. This is why it's really mm -hmm. it, this is uh, economic fraud against the um, American taxpayer because we have been rewarding all these individuals who have been, quote, playing the government game. And the government game is one, we'll buy your compliance, we'll buy your allegiance, we'll buy your uh, right. you know, support, and, and 
we'll make you happy because you got bread on the table, but mm-hmm. we're killing people while doing it. And at some mm-hmm. point, it's an it's a nightstick ethic problem where the notion that anybody in a government position is morally superior to you and your individual liberty, your individual right, your individual consent to approve of the medicine that they're going to inject straight into your body um, is not required because they know what's best. Right. Government. It's like it's, it feels like I'm, I'm working with my parents sometimes, you know, like. You know, why, why, why do I have to do this? Because I said so, right? right mommy yeah, and mommy yeah. and daddy, mommy and daddy elected official know best for me, right? Thanks. I didn't elect you to be my mommy or my daddy. I'm, I'm good in that department. Well, you know, we get from people this defeatist attitude sometimes, you know, where they're like, well, you're, I've heard from people say, well, that grand jury petition isn't going to work. And I tell them, how can you say that? You don't know that. You haven't even read the petition. So, you know, kind of get out of my face with that. That's, that's nonsense. But what we, we have to do is we have to look at what's the, what's the reaction, what has occurred. Well, um, we filed the amended petition in federal court on March 7th, right? What blew my mind was that by March 15th, the CDC lowered the overall death count by 72,277. Now, a lot of people would say, well, that's just a coincidence. Okay, that's a coincidence. I have a, a prediction here. They're going to use that lowering to... Um, reply to the court and say, well, we're aware of this problem. It's not us being criminal. It's not what they allege. It's just was a coding logic error. It was, we're going to blame a computer or blame the person who entered the coding into the computer. We're not, it wasn't our fault, right? So nobody, nobody's to blame. They're trying to create a plausible deniability and request that the um, petition get dismissed uh, by the courts. We'll see. We'll see, right? But what, what also blows me away is that, you know, with so much having happened, it's sometimes hard for us to think back to how this all began. Because what I still, it still blows me away that this was all started with two weeks to flatten the curve. If this was just two weeks to flatten the curve, this should have been over in 2020, right? But it wasn't. It was just ramping up. There was clearly something much larger afoot. I think we're all aware of that by now. If you aren't, I can't help you anymore. But um, <laughs> something much larger afoot. So, so I'm very curious because it's such a privilege to talk to elected officials and kind of get a little bit behind the scenes what what went on and stuff like that. Let's go back to February, March, 2020. Uh, Kim, Dennis, you're both elected officials. You're both senators. Um, and you know, let's let's think back to that time. Did did Governor Kate Brown ever call the legislature together to get input and feedback as to what the best response for the people should be? Did she ever seek or solicit your opinions? <laughs> it's okay to laugh because I, I know it's a funny question. Uh, you know, actually, it's funny, though, that the, the, the short February session, which takes place during the even year, mm-hmm. 20 was an even year. The official end date, as I recall, for that uh, legislative session was March 7th or 8th, and her emergency order coming out, uh, Executive Order 2003, was mm-hmm. issued on 8th, 2020. She invoked her full emergency powers, saying that an emergency shall exist for 60 days from that date. That's what it said. That's what it said. On the, last, so on the last day of session, she said, while you all are done and we're, we're done and closed here, legislators, you all can go home. I got this. Is that what she said? That's, 
pretty much right. I mean, we, we we had gotten out earlier for other reasons. I probably shouldn't go into now, though that those reasons are kind of interesting. Um, but the official end date, the 35 day session would have been on that, that day. And so it's interesting that's right when she comes out with this emergency order saying, hey, we got an emergency. And then soon after that, she um, invokes one on the 12th, or mm -hmm. excuse me, the 8th. And then there's one on the 12th that basically said that we want we need to put a ban on gatherings over 250 and then five days later a ban on 25 or more at food establishments and mm -hmm. then they were closed for on-premises food consumption remember you had to get everything to, to go or right take right and then then we, and then they kind of mixed together to the emergency orders uh the executive order emergency statutes of 401 mm -hmm. uh or, you know oregon revised statutes or us 401 and then 433 so they kind of picked and chose Mm -hmm. which sections they want of that. So, um, and then on the 23rd, we had uh, a closing of hair salons and just about everything else. And that was in, in effect until the governor terminated it, which- that's, that's the first time I've ever heard a governor really wanting to encourage bad hair days, you know? <laughs> Right. Like that's that, that that seems like that should be criminal right there. You know, it's like, come on, we got to we got to look good around here. Right. If we're going to be locked down for a couple of weeks, we should at least look good for the people we're locked down with. Right. I don't know. Zoom meetings, you got to look good from the neck up. From the neck up. Well, you know, who knows what's going on below the shoulders. Right. On, in any Zoom meeting you're on anymore. Right, right, so right. so uh, so uh, Senator Lent come, you know, did 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 Governor Brown ever reach out to you and say, you know, you, you've been doing this for you a know, while. You know, I don't, I don't think my office ever got that phone call. I, I mean, wow. I'm just not sure. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I, I bet you she did not talk to um, a, a handful of individuals. I mean, mm -hmm. this is, this is what power does that your audience knows this power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And when you have the judicial system in your pocket, when you've got the House legislative body in your pocket, the Senate legislative body in your pocket, the governor is the secretary of state, the governor, all of those individuals are free essentially to do as they please because there's nobody willing to ask the question or hold them accountable. You know, one of the things that um, that I'm hearing is that there was no collaboration because the, the tagline, the marketing line that went out was we're all in this together. But the legislature <laughs> right, right. wasn't even invoked to say, hey, legislature, here's the situation. We need to have an emergency meeting. Would the, would the governor have the power to call such an emergency meeting and say, hey, legislators, I need you to at least get on Zoom. And we have to because I, I, I'm going to I have to appraise you of what's going on. But I also want to get some feedback. Does a governor have that kind of authority to be able to call oh, for such? Did have, didn't have meetings, but they weren't they weren't legislative um, sessions or anything like that where legislative business. It was just briefings. It was just here's what's mm -hmm. happening. And that was, you know, we were put on, uh, you know, a Zoom call and listening to why they were doing these different things. But, and they were answering some questions here and there and, and avoiding other questions there. But the thing is, we could have called a legislative session. And then mm -hmm. through a joint resolution, we could have ended the emergency that was declared by the governor, or at least put some side rails on it. However, that would not happen. We would have to have a certain number of the legislature, the, the members of the legislature to 
call us ourselves. We can call ourselves into a session mm-hmm. to, to do that. Or the governor can also call the legislature into session. That never happened. They're all because you did not find a majority of legislators who were agreeing that we needed to end it or put any side rails on it. We were just willing to let the governor do whatever she wants, wanted and or wants. Oh, gosh, <laughs> we're still in that same situation. We still have that same majority. But um, that, that never happened. It just absolutely never happened. We were just told to just sit down, shut up. And if, if you ask why uh, things are the way they are, then um, you weren't going to get an answer other than, well, the CDC says, or they would just point to some federal agency, they would never have any studies to support what, why they were taking specific actions. And believe me, I asked. We're now two years and a quarter right. into this. And, and as anybody, it, it wasn't until uh, last month when our session, quote, ended that the mask mandate got relief. And you have to wonder why was it ended when our session was over Um, And why was that so orchestrated or coordinated amongst all the government agencies, actually from across all the states, the the Democratic congressional states, as well as the Biden administration, all of a sudden the televised State of the Union, gee, nobody's wearing a mask anymore. Right. Oh, you know what blew me away about about that was the couple days before the head of the Democratic National convention, I don't know, DNC, I don't know what the C stands for. Um, I'm, I'm really apolitical as, boss, as much as I can possibly be. You know, he comes out and he says, in quote, we have to find an off ramp to this pandemic. He's telling all the Democrats, if you want to have a prayer of being elected in November, mm-hmm. we have to find an off ramp. And this was his words. That's a quote, off ramp to this pandemic. And then magically, after he says that, within days, you have states saying, we're going to make masks optional. And of course, these are all Democratic states, right? And then you have Oregon, which is trying to hold this illusionary line of saying, we're going we're gonna to kick the date out. Like California, which has a way worse issue going on, if you believe the, the fraud and the numbers in California, they stopped, they turned off all the mask wearing and that charade you know, within days of that off-ramp quote, but not, not in Oregon. We, we have like, we had a, we had a whole nother month, a whole nother month of playing the game of you got to put on this stupid thing on your face that there are no randomized controlled clinical trials for that doesn't work to prevent spread. Cause it would have already worked by now. You have to go and put on this, this mask of shame to go in and buy yourself some groceries. You know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. So folks, we're, we're up against it. We could talk a lot longer and I, I hope to have you both back as this uh, grand jury petition unfolds and we can give updates. Like one of the things I want to let everybody know is we have initiated process service on all of the named defendants. This is not just a ploy. This is not just a symbolic act we're doing. No, we want justice on this. And the only way you can get to justice is through investigation. So we're serving them. Uh, this week. I'm really excited about that. What I want to do is just end on this note. Senator Linthicum, thank you for being here. Senator Thatcher, thank you for for being here. Uh, Senator Thatcher, where can people go to learn more about you and and follow? I know you have an upcoming campaign, learn more about you and, and, uh, and what you can do to maybe help them. Well, they can contact me through kimthatcher.com. Uh, if they have a legislative question, they can write to my Senate um, email. But um, you know, Kim at KimThatcher.com is my email if they have any questions, but KimThatcher.com is the website. So there you go. 
Very good. And that'll that'll be in our show notes too. Go for it. What were you going to say, Kim? I'll just say very creative names there. Yeah, right. Well, hey, I'm glad it was available for you, the URL, right? And Dennis, same thing. Where can people go to learn more about you and the great work that you're doing? You bet. They can sign up for my newsletter. Send me a note at Dennis at electdennis.com. D-E-N-N-I-S is how you spell Dennis. Dennis at electdennis.com. Fantastic. Well, you know, we have a lot of great people doing great work. And I want to say thank you to the senators who have completely blown up my idea that there are no good people in government. There are plenty of good people in government. Let's make sure we're reaching out to find them. I think that there are three things that we have to focus on. Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be about rallies and bringing people together anymore. I think that mission has been accomplished. We educated and we stalemated criminals, right? Alleged criminals. I think the moving forward is now we have to make sure we're pursuing justice because that gives us a peaceful way to seek satisfaction and make sure people are held accountable. I think we have to do all we can to pool our resources to help heal the people who were lied to and injured as a result of those lies. And I think we have to make sure that this never happens again. So how do we do that? You might be thinking, well, I got some new stuff on the way. We're going to be talking about something that's long overdue, a health freedom constitutional amendment. It's a cause that I'm going to be championing starting this summer. And it's something that I think everybody's going to be able to get behind and say, we can make sure this never happens again. We just make it sure it's a constitutional amendment that's well-written and protects our rights to refuse any medical intervention and to be restricted or segregated from society for our refusal to do so. It's very simple, actually, and it's long overdue um, for our country. Remember, folks, that our pathway to victory has four divine challenges for us all to take no offense, to speak truth, to be selfless, and to remain humble. May our creator shine his divine light down upon us, everyone we love, and surround us in the protection of his warm embrace. Next week, we'll begin shifting Energetic Health Radio into a show that still talks about COVID occasionally, but more importantly, is start talking about the solutions and the ways that you can use advanced natural medicine to create energetic health for yourself. We want you to avoid the hospitals, avoid doctors that don't care about you, and most importantly, be able to confidently live free. Until next week, everyone, I'm Dr. Henry Ely for Energetic Health Radio and the Energetic Health Institute, and I say to you, aloha and adios.